I promise you, as not just uh, your pastor, but as a father whose kids have been blessed by these ministries and by your support of them, what a difference it makes. So thank you for that and, and for sitting through or you know, allowing us to share that, uh, share that video with you. It was interesting, I was looking at old pictures of the camp. You, if, if you noticed in some of the, the pictures toward the end, you saw the kids sitting out on the dock. The, the Warren Willis Youth Camp is, is on, the, on the lake. I can't remember the name of the lake off the top of my head. Griffin, thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, there were some old pictures. Now, they have got a big swimming pool now. But back in the day, before they had the swimming pool, there was a picture of a bunch of the campers swimming in the lake off the docks. Now, that blew my mind because the docks is normally where you go to spot the gators. That's what you do. I mean, I, I was like, there's no way you'd catch me jumping in that lake Unless I was out skiing. You can go skiing a little further out. I'm okay when you're in the middle, but on the edge where the, where the, where the eyeballs pop up? No, no, no thank you. So, um, again, and, and so it wasn't something that I expected to see. I didn't really realize they had done that. And that's a good segue this morning, expectations. Because that's what we're going to talk about for a, for a few moments together. And in, in a little bit, a little bit down the road here of, of the message, we're going to get to Genesis chapter 12 if you want to... You want to open that up or be there uh, ahead of me. I think Ryan was about three, Cassie about one. Tony and I took him to the uh, other coast, over to the east coast of Florida, for uh, a few days away to go to the beach. And um, we, had, we had seen a brochure for a, um, a resort. And, and when I say resort, a hotel on the beach. You know, that's really what it was. We're not, we weren't in a place, we, we weren't staying at the Ritz-Carlton. You know, it was just a place on the beach we thought we could enjoy some, some time with the kids. But we'd seen this brochure, and it looked interesting, and the price was in our price range, which means it was relatively low. And, um, but it was, it was really nice. It had pictures of the rooms, pictures of the, the hotel, pictures of the beach. And uh, so we packed up, and we drove, a, you know, across I-4, and I'll never forget driving into the parking lot there at the hotel. Because what we'd seen in the pictures and what we looked at when we drove in the parking lot didn't match. You had that um, experience before? And we thought, okay, well, that's all right. We're not, you know, again, we weren't expecting the Ritz-Carlton. No problem. We're not going to let that get to us. And so we went into the, the front desk, and it wasn't getting better necessarily. Um, they weren't rude, but they weren't necessarily all that welcoming. And, and so we get to our room, and, uh, you know, there's some stains in the tiles and the, 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 the bathroom, or the you know, ceiling tiles, the bathroom tiles are cracked. I mean, it was... It definitely didn't match the pictures, but we're like, you know what? We're at the beach. We're on the beach. We're going we're gonna to make the best of it until Ryan, again, about three, had been walking around with his socks on, on the carpet. <laughs> Some of you know where I'm going. And he sat up on the bed so that we could see the bottom of his feet. They were black. And we had, again, three years old and one year old. So Cassie wasn't even, maybe she was walking, maybe not. And that was it. That was the end. That, that's where the, the trip, the trip didn't end, but our stay at that hotel ended right there. We were done 
we were out, and I, you know, and, and, and that was it. The, the relationship severed, if you will. And that was, that was the final straw in which we realized that what we expected and what we experienced were not even close to the same thing. I've gotten so much better at researching places that we go now as, uh, you know, you learn from these. But, but expectations versus reality. What happens when our expectations are not met? What happens when, when what we anticipate happening um, doesn't come to fruition? That's what we're talking about this morning as we're, we work through this, this series, uh, Give It Up. Last week, we talked about giving up control. And I think expectations fits very nicely with that. What are the places in our lives where is God calling us to give up, to let go of our expectations? We, we bring expectations into all our relationships. And I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's human nature. I have, I have expectations. We have expectations of our children that they'll be respectful. We have expectations of our, of our spouses or, or significant other that, that they'll understand us. Uh, we, we have expectations of our, our workplace that we'll be treated fairly and, and paid a, a, a fair wage. Uh, we have expectations of our friendships, that our friends will, will be there for us. We have expectations of life, that, that things will work out a certain way. Every, every relationship we come into, every experience, we bring expectations. You came today with expectations. You came with expectations for the kind of music that you might sing or that you would hear. You come, ex you come right now with expectations of me. You expect me to, to offer something, to speak some insight into the scriptures. Maybe you expect me to be creative. Maybe you expect me to be funny. Who knows what you expect? You have expectations of me. I have expectations of you. I expect you to at least pretend you're paying attention. <laughs> I expect that if you fall asleep, you won't snore. You know? And so hopefully we can meet our expectations this morning. That, that's, that's life. And, and my point here isn't to say that we don't have them or that we shouldn't in some cases have them. But I think we always have to evaluate and, and look at them. Because there's a danger with expectations. Because when an expectation becomes the basis of a relationship, your relationship is not with a person. It is with your expectation of that person. If, if my relationship is based with, with, with my wife, Tony, is based on what I expect her to do or who I expect her to be, then my relationship is not with the creative, dynamic, um, diverse person that God created her to be. My relationship is with what I think she should be. And, and that becomes dangerous. It becomes a slippery slope because what happens when the expectations aren't met? What happens when my kids aren't respectful or responsible the way that I expect them to be because they are human? What happens when, when my spouse doesn't understand me the way that I expect her to? What happens when things at the, at the job don't go the way that I expect them to go? What happens when my friends let me down? What happens when life isn't fair? How do we respond to those moments? Because when expectations become the basis of our relationships, our relationships fall apart when expectations are not met. Now again, this is not to say you don't have the right to have some expectations, but the question becomes how do we begin to understand them and 
Who gets to define them? Who gets to define them? So let's flip the coin. Let's, let's take that same reflection on our relationships, our earthly relationships with, with friends or spouses or, or coworkers or neighbors. And let's take those, those expectations and let's ask ourselves, what are expectations of God? What are our expectations of God? I, I think I shared this with you a, a few weeks ago, but, but the, the, the question to ask yourself, how you would answer is, if God is God, then dot, dot, dot. If God is God, if I'm going to believe in God, if I'm going to worship God, if I'm going to be a disciple of Christ, wh- whatever way you want to phrase it, if this is true, then dot, dot, dot. What has to happen? What do you expect of God if you are going to profess faith or you believe God to be real as we do because that begins to 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 define what your expectations of God if God is God then I will never have problem paying my bills right (laughs) yeah life has taught us differently hadn't it if God is God then my family and my loved ones will be healthy God is God, then I will get the job that I desire. If God is God, then this relationship will work out in the way I want it to. If God is God, then dot, dot, dot. And the the reason that we need to reflect on this is because we have to ask ourselves, what happens when the dot, dot, dot doesn't work out the way you expect it to? What happens when bills aren't paid? What happens when the test results come back in the way that you had feared? What happens when the relationship doesn't work out? What happens when the job doesn't materialize? What happens when the dot, dot, dot isn't there? What are your expectations? Well, again, we can have expectations. We, we can have them. But the question is, who defines them? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. As we look at a few, what will be a few examples of God's work in our lives and and how it begins to shape our expectations. So again, Genesis 12, beginning at verse 1 now. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would come open in these moments. We, we bring our expectations to you, Lord, but... But help, help us to be open to the way your Holy Spirit would define uh, 
those expectations. Help us to be open to the way that your Holy Spirit would speak and work in fresh and new ways, maybe in ways beyond what we expect, so that we'd be open to the faith that which you've called us to. We pray this in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, four short verses. And it's a very simple passage in, in, in implication. God speaks to Abram, who we will come to know as Abraham. And this is basically what he says. Move. Move. Pack up. I want you to go somewhere else. Now, what would be our natural question if we heard God speak that? Why? Okay, why would be one. Yeah, sure, why. What would be it? Where? That's my question. Where? If you're telling me I've got to move, where am I going? I, I, I've told the story over and over again. When, when, not the voice of God, but when the voice of, of authority, when the district superintendent called me years ago and said, you know, would you move? My first question was, where do you want me to go? Where? Where's the location? Where's, where's the destination? Here's the power of the story. God didn't tell him. God, that's not there. You're not going to find it. God didn't say, pack your stuff up. This is where I'm sending you. He's up in what, what is modern-day Turkey. And, and God says, I want you to leave your father's land. 75 years old. So he's not a spring chicken. He's probably, there's very, very little details prior to this in, in Genesis about the, the context of, of Abram or Abraham's life. But, but I think we can safely assume he was in a comfortable place. He was doing well. And God says, I want you to go. And this is what God says. God defines what Abram or Abraham can expect. You can expect to be blessed. You can expect to be blessed. You can expect that your descendants will become a mighty nation. You can expect I'll be with you because that's implicit in the text. These are the things Abraham can expect. Why can he expect them? Because God tells him, this is what I'm going to do. But here's what Abraham doesn't get to expect. Where the journey is going to go, God doesn't say. What is going to happen in the journey, God will reveal that during the path. He doesn't get to expect that it's always going to go his way because it doesn't. He doesn't get to expect it's always going to be smooth and easy because it's not. What he gets to expect is God's going to be with him and that God's working in it. That's what he gets to expect. But he doesn't get any details about what that journey or any promises about all the, the experiences that journey will provide. It's an invitation to faith. It's an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to believe what I say that I'm going to believe and trust that I'll be at work in what is going to take place. It's the same thing that we read about in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus makes his call to his disciples. They're on the shores of Galilee, fishermen, and he says, basically, leave your nets, come follow me, and what, what's, what's the promise he makes? I will make you what? Fishers of men, right? So there, there's, there's the expectation. What do they get to expect? That God's going to do something with us. We're going to get to be fishers of men. Here's what I'm confident of. They had no idea what that meant. They had no idea what being a fisher of men was going to mean. Did they know where this journey would take them? Not a clue. 
Did they know what this journey would cost them? Not for a second. They were invited to come simply because it was Jesus who called them. It becomes a step of faith. And they had to learn to leave their expectations behind because there's no way they could have anticipated or expected the journey. And it wasn't smooth and it wasn't always easy and it would cost them everything that they had and it would give them more than they could have ever imagined. God's invitation is for us to a journey of faith. It is not a promise or a blueprint or a map, if you will, of every experience that's gonna take place, nor is it a promise that it's always going to be exactly what we want it to be. See, what happens is, is we tend to quote Romans 8.28 a lot. For God works to good or in all things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? Well, God works to good. Okay, that's great. Who gets to define good? God defines what good looks like. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And, I, and I'm not saying that, that God isn't with us and, and weaving his hand through, the, through the, 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 the experiences of our lives. But, but we don't always get to impose an expectation upon what God's word means. Because God has something far greater for us than, than we could begin to expect. And when we impose expectations, we limit God. And we miss God. I was thinking about this in light of the, the journey of the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt into the promised land. Now, if you've ever looked at a map, I went and saw, I was going to throw a map on the screen, but I realized it really wouldn't be big enough for you to catch this. But, but so, so kind of use your imagination if you're not familiar with the region. You've got the Mediterranean Sea here, okay? Egypt's down here. Promised land is over here. Promised land, or, or as we know, Israel is on the banks of the Mediterranean uh, to, the, to the east, and Egypt is to the south of the Mediterranean. The, the Israelites, they're in captivity in Goshen. And God calls them and says, I will lead you to the, through Moses to the promised land. So now here's the thing. Egypt, promised land. Now, if we were mapping this journey... Okay, if we were map questing this sucker, what do we expect? We'd expect from here to there. The distance between where they were and where they were going is roughly the distance between here and Atlanta. It's close enough. So, you'd expect here to there, right? That's probably what they expected. Except when they come out of Egypt, they start going down here. In fact, within a few days, they're further away from the promised land when they started. They start coming down into the Sinai Peninsula. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, and God's working in this, but they're not going the way you'd expect it to go. In fact, going slow, one mile an hour, five miles a day, traveling slow, they should have been there in three months. How long did the journey take? 40 years. 40 years. Now, let's recognize some of that was their own sin, was their failures, their disobedience. There's a, there's a lot of reasons. But the journey, here's the thing. The journey came here, and if you kind of mapped it, you know, they come here, and then they kind of do a loop up here, and then, they, I mean, it's all over the place. It's like, it's like the way my father drives when he goes places. He, no, he does, because he goes back roads all over. If we, we joke that if, 
if he ever, like something ever happened, we'd never find him because they do all these back roads when they travel because they were tired, they got nowhere to be. So, so they, <laughs> did I strike a nerve? <laughs> I didn't think that went through very well. <laughs> He's going, oh boy, let me have some water. Woo! Hey, look, I hope to be there someday. Uh, that's my goal. My goal. But they do. They do these back roads and stuff because they're enjoying the journey. They're not in a hurry. Seriously, they're not. So they, so they take their time. Well, the Israelites kind of do this loopy thing because that's where God leads them because God, th- there's their own sin and their own faithfulness. There's a lot of things that happen. But here's what never happens in the course of this journey that they could have never expected. At no point does God abandon them. See, God's promise was, I'm going to get you to the promised land. God did not promise when he was going to get them to the promised land. God did not promise how he was going to get them to the promised land. He says, I'm going to get you there. And back to that promise he makes Moses in Exodus 3, it's the same promise he makes his people. I'll be with you. And he always is. Even when his anger burns against them, he's with them. Friends, We have to let go of our expectations that we impose upon God because when we do, when we define God, how God can work by our expectations, we miss the journey and we begin to miss the Spirit at work in ways that are beyond what we can imagine. We begin to miss the power of God. Abram had to just follow trusting there was a destination God had it but he wasn't going to know how that was going to come about he just had to take it a step at a time on faith and trusting God's promise and God lived up to his promises the disciples chose to follow Jesus because he was Jesus and they knew they'd be in a relationship with him they didn't know where that was going to go they didn't even know what it meant but they knew who called and they responded in faith and it didn't go I'm sure as they expected it to go but I know that they were blessed beyond what they ever could have imagined. If they'd been defined by their expectations, they would have walked away well before they ever got to the end of the journey. And many did. And the Israelites grumbled all the way through their journey. They grumbled and complained and whined all the way through. But God constantly worked. So they were people that were ready. When the day came, they crossed over the Jordan and stepped into the promised land. It becomes very dangerous when we define God by imposing our expectations on him. Usually, those who do will lose faith in the journey. Because God doesn't say, I work for good that you get to define. He says, I work to good, to all things. And sometimes, and most often, that's well beyond what we can begin to imagine. I read uh, this week... uh, of a, a story a mother told. Susie Lockhart was her name. And she, she recounted raising her children and the tenacity of her prayers from the time that her children were born, the consistency of her prayers, and praying for their future. And she said one of the things that she would pray for, one of the many things she'd pray for for her children, is she would pray for their relationships that would be down the road. She would pray, uh, she would rock her son. She was talking about her son, but she'd rock her son. She'd pray for the woman that he would one day marry. She would pray for the friends he would one day make. 
And she even prayed, believing that someday he would go to college. She prayed for the roommate he would one day have, that, that this roommate would be a good and a godly example for him. And so when her son went to college, she was very excited about this experience. And so he went and he went to school and she, she was anxious for that first conversation. So a day or two into his, his college experience, he called home and she asked him, tell me about your roommate. Tell me about this roommate that in her mind she's thinking that I've prayed for since you were, since you were born. And he said, oh, he's got a, a very interesting story. He's, he's a recovering drug addict. He's a recovering drug addict. And he's been admitted to college on the arts program and to play sports and for this to be a place where he can begin to get his life back together. And when Susie heard this, her heart sank. It sank. And she was, from the depths of her soul, she was sorrowful. And she even says, I began to cry. And she said, I don't understand. She's talking to her son. She's like, I don't understand. Since you were a baby, I have been praying that God would give you a roommate that would be a godly example in your life. Why would this happen? She said her son got silent. And she said in a wisdom that was well beyond his years, he finally said, well, Mama, maybe his mother's been praying for that too. When expectations define our understanding of how God works, we miss it. And he knew, that son knew, that maybe God's work here was that he would be the example, that he would be the example for someone else rather than waiting for someone to be the example for him. How many times do we miss it? If, if, if he hadn't seen it, she might not have seen it. Maybe his mama was praying for the same thing. Faith begins, I believe, friends, where, where expectation ends. And we let go of those things. And we allow God to work in ways that are beyond what we can begin to imagine. We trust in his hand, even in the times that don't make sense. Because it will not, and you know this, it won't always make sense. There will be times we have no answers. But we trust in the one who does. We trust in the one who has a future and a promise for us. We trust for what is yet to come. As we journey through Lent together, let's learn to let go of expectations and let God be God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we come before you openly, honestly, so many times recognizing how we've confined your hand because of the way that we expect you to work. And when we do that, we miss sometimes that which is so much greater. So Lord, help us to let go of those expectations and to trust in you and to see your spirit working in ways that bring about the promises you have spoken since you formed us into existence. Lord, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you glory. In Christ's holy name, amen. Friends, let's stand as we sing our hymn of commitment, Lead On, O King Eternal.